If you've not uh, been with us, or if you have and you just need a reminder because it's a lot going on this week. Amen. I feel you. Um, we've been in this series the last few weeks uh, called Go to the Source. Church, I need you to help me out this morning. Can you say the source? the source? I need you to like just lift your pastor up just like a little bit this morning. Can you say the source? The source. Thank you. I feel it. I feel your support today. I appreciate it. Please keep it coming. Um, I, uh, I, I, I have been blessed to, to participate in the last two gatherings um, just in a chair, in a seat, in the bleachers. Um, I am constantly uh, reminded and blessed every time I take uh, uh, weeks where somebody else is, is filling the invisible pulpit here. Um, I'm constantly blessed and reminded at how God works and how the Spirit is in, is in all of us and how He has equipped multiple people, not just me, thankfully, for the teaching and the delivering and the convicting of His Word. Uh, Pastor Kenny, a couple weeks ago, kicked us off in this series, and he talked about go to the source of truth. Right. There's a lot of he, he, he. Oh, man, this one took me out. He made the joke about about turning your Bibles to second Facebook chapter three. And that one that one got me because like I'm not going to lie. Like I opened and I was like before it hit me and I was like, oh, yeah, that was a joke. Uh, second Twitter like I'm, it just it, it just got me. But the reality is that's so true. That's where so many of us live our lives and so many of us get our quote unquote truth from. It's like whatever the people that we follow on social media are saying lately. And that's still to this day so wild to me. Um, but that's so true. There are so we are not hurting in this world for for to find a source of a staunch opinion or or or, or a really really radical one, right? Yeah. But we are aching in this world to find what is actually truth. Yeah. And KT talked to us about how how even to this day. Even in 2021, I know a lot of us have, have heard the narrative, or maybe we've even bought into the narrative, that God is just not relevant in 2021. That the, that the ministry of Jesus and the work of his apostles just doesn't hit like it did in, in 032, right? Like, like this, is, this is 2,000 years later. What could God possibly have to say? There's, there's new issues, right? This, this is, you know, like technology and, 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 and politics and Jesus certainly didn't see any of that. It was a reminder that you can find all of that. Somebody say all of that. Is in here? The truth, the theological truth for our lives is still in here. It's still presented to us by God, reminded to us in the person of Jesus and prompted to us in the Holy Spirit. We can find it in here. Yes, sir. Last week, the first lady brought the word. Yes. I'm telling you what, those two preaching like they don't want me back up here. <laughs> they say, we don't need you. But last week, she talked about go to the source of life. Man, we're out here like that right now. We're out here looking. What's going to help me? What's going to save me? Yeah, 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 I see what's going on in the world around me, and I feel so hopeless and helpless. What could possibly, like, like yeah, 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 but my specific condition. And she reminded us of this encounter where Jesus 
met someone that nobody else was trying to meet at a well in Samaria. And what Jesus offered to her was a satisfaction, was a living water that we can't find anywhere else. How many of you now know that the satisfaction that we find in Christ Jesus is unlike anything else we can find in our world? This week, I'm just going to warn you, the hard hits do not stop. We're jumping into a passage that we love to tell people, but we don't love when other people tell us. We love to be, to, to remind others of this passage, but it's not really one that if we had to pick our top 10 to apply to our lives, there's going to be a whole lot of grace and not a whole lot of what we're going to talk about today. Would you join me in the Gospel of Matthew? If you have your physical Bibles with you, I, want, I invite you to turn there. If you have your electronic devices handy, finally, because the kids are in the kids' classroom, so you can use your own device in the name of Jesus, you just go ahead and turn there. Or if you don't have either of those things, or you're not confident about your ability to fight off the temptation of the devil to stay off of Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and or Twitter, or whatever sources of truth you have on your phone, I'll invite you to look up on this screen. This is the Gospel of Matthew. We are in the 18th chapter. We just got time for three verses today. I was going to read you a whole section, but then as I was preparing, the Lord was like, uh-uh, that's enough. Just go right there. And so we're just going to read three verses today. This is Matthew chapter 18. We're going to start in verse 15. And you might notice in your Bible that, that the letters are, are, are red. Um, that means Jesus said it, um, which means if this was a text message strand specifically on a, a thread, specifically on an iPhone, this would be double-tapped and emphasized, okay? So we're going to go ahead and read these emphasized words, starting in verse 15. Jesus, Jesus says this, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him it's his fault. No, 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 that's not what it says. It's not what it says. Some of y'all saw that it's in there. It's not in there, okay? You think it's boogers, but it's not. Sorry, I'm a dad. He says, if your brother sins against you, Go and tell him his faults between you and him alone. Yes. Pastor, stop right there. I can't. Yes. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you. We love this part. That every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. We love this part. Tell it to the church. Let it be known. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. I don't have time to keep going. We just got to hit that one right now. We got to keep in mind that as Jesus shares these words, Jesus is saying this to a Jewish audience that is anxiously awaiting the day. They get to throw the Romans oppression back in their face they're anxiously awaiting the day where they get to rid their lives of the centurions that enforce roman law on their streets they're anxiously awaiting the day where they get held up as god's chosen people and they can crinkle their nose and point at those imperialistic romans jesus is speaking 
to a Gentile audience who is anxiously awaiting for a Messiah to come and clarify a few cultural differences up. They're anxiously awaiting a day where a Messiah comes and, sa and says that, that Jewish culture, even though you've heard it this way, is no better than your Gentile culture. They're anxiously awaiting a day where they get to clear up long-standing ethnic differences, cultural differences that have existed between them and the Jews. You see, I told you, you always made me feel like we weren't welcome in your culture. And now the Messiah is here to finally correct you. So na 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 boo boo. As Jesus is speaking, he's also speaking in proximity to Roman soldiers who oftentimes, many of them, freely exercise their government-given authority and power over people who can never be told that they were too harsh because authority is not in the oppressed hands. Authority is in the oppressor's hands. He's speaking to Roman soldiers who, if a cry was brought against them, had free reign to put that person on their rear end or worse in jail. Or worse, but Jesus is speaking to that audience when he says, if your brother has offended you, go to your brother. That's tough, isn't it? That's a little different than our, than our social media beefs, isn't it? I only have two points for you today. The Lord told me I've been talking too much lately, so I only have two of them today. Point number one, reconciliation is the goal. Reconciliation is the goal. Before we can say anything else, we have to talk about the heart of Jesus. We have to talk about the fact that Jesus' heart, that while Jesus loved justice, let me, let me be real clear about that. Jesus loved justice. The Lord brings justice. Jesus' primary objective is not consistently throughout the Gospels to condemn the wicked. It is not to condemn those who have done wrong. It is not to put down those who have sin or fault. Because can I tell you a spoiler? Not one of us in this room would make it. Jesus' goal consistently is the reconciliation of his people, of all people, to the Father in heaven. That's number one. That's 1A. 1B then, 1B is the reconciliation of one to the other. That's always number one. That's always the priority. It's not, Jesus does not come into your situation and say, everybody back up. Now let me hear your side. Now let me hear your side. You seem to be more right than this one. And I know how y'all voted. So I'm going to go over here. That's not Jesus' goal. Jesus' goal is to come in and say, I ought not have to separate you. Because you ought to be bound together Amen. under the one banner 
that unites us all, which is the banner of the family of Jesus Christ. And for the relationship that exists between you, Jesus is making it clear, yo, I didn't come here to pick sides. And as a matter of fact, what I'm looking at is a whole bunch of petty stuff. So let me give you some instructions on how to handle this on your own before it comes up to me. I got to feel like we don't really want God in our problems like that, right? Jesus outlines a couple of suggestions. And before we can appropriately, appropriately execute these instructions, I invite you to pause and give whatever offended you some thought. The first thing, whenever you're offended first thing when something hurts you, the first thing I want you to think is consider the source. Can I tell you something for free? Mm -hmm. This might sound like it doesn't belong in church, but I'm going to tell it to you because I can back it up here. Not not everything deserves to be addressed. Not everyone ought to be addressed. (laughs) There are countless proverbs that talks about fools and having nothing to do with them. There are some criticisms. There are some perspectives that yes, even the Lord would say, go ahead and turn your ear the other way because I don't need you listening to all of that. I want you to consider the source. If this is the source of the offense, is the source of the criticism, somebody who holds weight in your life, Because if it's just somebody on your social media feed that you can't even remember when and how y'all became friends on social media in the first place, please just unfriend and keep it pushing. Like, stop addressing that stuff. Stop. It's not worth it. If you do not have a relationship with the person whose comments you're in on social media, get up out of there. Trust that the Lord will give them the scripture you want to give them on their time. Because they ain't going to hear it from you. Right? Consider the source. There are people who just live to bring you into their misery. And there are also some people that for other reasons, I don't know that I really need to address that with them. Right? Like, do you have that type of relationship with that person? Or are there other factors surrounding it that you're like, "Uh, that seems like it's none of my business. Don't be afraid to say that's got nothing to do with me. I know it seems like it's directed at me, but if I'm being honest and I'm spending time in prayer and I'm looking at this through a spiritual lens, which is first, Mm -hmm. I would realize that 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 little outburst that they just had, that's got nothing to do with me. Right? The second thing that I want us to consider is consider the offense. What was it, though? Like, what was it really? Right? And when you consider the offense, what you you might find is that in all reality, it's not necessarily what was said that was hurtful, but perhaps a pattern of behavior or perspective that's behind what was said. Right? Can we like think critically about it? Can we narrow it down like that? 
can we realize, because in a lot of instances, you know, people are going to want, like, examples. Like, well, tell me what I did wrong. And you want to say, like, like, well, you said this, right? Well, that just leads to justification of what they said, or you misunderstood me. Uh-uh. Because the reality is you're not offended by what they said. You're offended by the heart behind what they said. You're offended by the pattern of behavior. I'm not offended that you kind of like put your hand up towards your wife while she was trying to speak. I'm offended that you've got a pattern of behavior of not letting women speak in your presence. It's different. (laughs) They heard it. (laughs) Consider the offense and ask yourself the question, what damage are they doing? Is it damage beyond your own self-preservation? Because there might in lie the problem. Perhaps they didn't say anything wrong at all. But some insecurities in you allowed that to hit just a little bit different than what it was intended, right? Is it really that deep? What damage are they doing? And if left unchecked, what damage could this do to the community? And then the third thing I want you to consider is consider your own heart. If when you read Jesus' words, and it said, if your brother offends you, the first thing that popped into your head was, that ain't my brother, then it's not their problem, it's actually yours. Right? Like, consider your own heart. Can I, can, I give, can I give you a cheat code for those who are, who, who are like me and you don't mind a little bit of confrontation? As a matter of fact, you almost kind of welcome it a little bit, right? Can I give you a cheat code? This conversation between you and your brother shouldn't be fun. Uh, amen. You shouldn't be looking forward to this. This shouldn't be one of those conversations where you're like, I need to sit down with you about some things that you've said. I can't wait to read you that list. I can't wait because I know I'm right and Jesus said to address this with you and I can't wait to be right. Nah, man, this should be something that's heavy on your heart. This should be something that you're like almost sick over. This should be something that you're like, I'm really sweating and not looking forward to this. I really don't, like, I don't, I don't want to do this. I don't want to compromise. I'm actually worried about the effect that it might have on our relationship. Consider your heart. Is your heart actually for them to be reconciled to you? Jesus says, if they heard you, then you have gained your brother. Is this somebody that you're actually in Christian relationship with? Because that also changes the dynamic. If you're out here like, yo, like th- we are doing life together. You're in my huddle. You told me to hold you accountable. I, you're holding me accountable. We're walking through this life together. And yeah, we're stumbling, but we're after Jesus together. Yeah. Is that your heart? Is your heart like, man, really, like I'm coming to check you. Not because you're out of pocket as much as it is about the fact that we're supposed to be walking together, but you keep doing this thing to get off the path and pull me off a little bit because now I'm angry. Is that your heart? Is that what you actually are after? Let me tell you something about Jesus. Philippians 2 reminds us 
that Jesus had the ultimate humble heart. That he was God. But for our sakes, was like, nah, let me put that to the side for a second. He had privilege and rights over the world because he made the world. But for us, he was like, let me put that on hold for a minute. Let me not hang on to that. It says, though he was God, he did not consider equality with the ultimate, almighty, cosmic being that all of us will stand before someday. He did not consider equality something to cling to. Even though he was right to claim equality, he let that go so that we could be reconciled. Jesus had the ultimate humble heart. How humble is your heart? Are you, are you entering into this interaction? Because genuinely, this is what Scripture instructs us to do when we live life with one another. Yeah. Or you enter this conversation because finally, my pastor just, just, just gave me permission that I've been waiting for to come get you. That's what a lot of us like to do, especially on social media. Some of y'all got a beautiful, beautiful way of twisting scripture to match your heart, to match what you want to do. Man, my brother James calls that, how's he say it, doing, doing biblical Olympics. You have an awesome way of making Jesus' words fit what you want. Is that your heart? Are you actually entering into this with a humble heart? Because let me tell you something, and I can tell you this from experience. This one hurts. It's never fun. It might be fun for you, but it's never fun being the person who's come to be corrected. It's never fun to be the person who's hearing their offenses back to them. I know, I'm sure none of y'all have ever had to be in that situation, but let me tell you, it hurts. It hurts to have your offenses read back to you. It hurts to realize that you've hurt somebody else. And so if you are that person, that correction is coming to you, I would offer humility to you for you to have a humble heart. And I want you to run through these three things. Hey, if you're the person who correction is coming to, somebody's coming to check you, consider the source. Who's coming to check you? All kinds of people coming to check me. They're not all worth me considering. That's just because I talk a lot. Who is the person that's coming to correct you? Do they hold weight? Is this your brother? Is this your sister? And not because you're mad at them or you don't like them, but for real, are y'all doing life together? So then consider the offense. Because only you know what was really behind what you did. Man, I remember when I did that, but it, honestly, it wasn't even about you. It was about something else going on over here. You know what's going on. Consider your heart. Do you instantly jump to the defensive? When somebody poops on the porch of your opinion, are you immediately like, nah, I'm going to let you know 
more can you? I don't know why you thought that was so funny. <laughs> or can you with humility welcome that criticism? It's not fun, y'all. It's not fun. I've been that person that's had to back up and apologize. It stinks. And I know that I know that Jesus wants us to handle this with grace. And I also know that this is what Jesus outlined. Because I, I didn't understand this passage until we had to start having those types of interactions. And you realize, I really have gained a brother. When somebody in humility comes to correct you, and when you in humility receive it, y'all really linked. Like you guys are really together because I recognize that you're looking out for me. And you recognize that I need help, and we're in this. That really happens. Now, I cannot move on from this point without hitting that one other aspect of it, which is when you go to the source, and they're not trying to hear it, and you get permission, you get that slip signed by Jesus that says, yeah, go tell somebody. Don't just go tell the people that you know are going to jump on your side. When you bring people with you, don't just, don't just bring the people and make them feel bombarded by whatever just happened. But bring people who are also living life with you and who are mature enough to handle it. During the pandemic, I, uh, I, got, um, I got my certification uh, as a leadership consultant with Giant Worldwide. And um, I've been entering into this, like, into this leadership development journey, working, uh, working with different churches, different groups, different organizations, kind of helping develop staff and, and improve, like, team communication, work efficiency, things like that. But there's this one tool that's in the, that's in the toolkit that, that we use that I, I just can't ignore, right? Like, I know, I know, like, I don't know if, I'm, if I can say this. I know the people who are in charge of this big old global organization are Christians, right? And I know that many of their principles arrive from the person of Jesus, but there is none more obvious than them putting this one in there, right? They put this tool in there called go to the source. And I'm like, y'all not slick. You literally just outlined what Jesus said in Matthew 18. Check this out with me. This is what he says. This is what this tool says. You're person number one, and you've been offended by person number two. Jesus says, Jesus and Giant Worldwide co-signed the sentiment that, say, that says, go, person number one, to person number two. Go to person number two and talk the issue out. Now, there is a, a clause in there. It says if person number two ain't trying to hear it, you go to person number three. Now, I show this graphic because I, I think it's really important. I don't think I could have I said it well enough without this picture to say what we really need in the church is more mature number threes. What we really need in the church is more people who with maturity can receive somebody else's offense. Oh and with maturity can act as a firewall. Inevitably, you put it back on person number one. 
and you say, that sounds like something you need to go take up with person number two. And if they have taken up with person number two, and now you're coming to me, person number three, because they ain't trying to hear it, then we together go back to person number two, and we handle this with maturity, not our assumptions and opinions. We need more mature people at doing number three, because what I see too often, because this is the world standard, this is what our television standards are built off of, this is what our social media standards are built off of, this is what our politics are built off of, this is what, this is like every sports talk show I watch is doing number three the wrong way. Saying, I hear this information you're giving me, number one, and I'm going to go tell people what I just heard about number two. Any Scrubs fans in the room? Hey, number one. Hey, number two. Love it. There's too many people out here starting drama, gossiping, because of what they heard about person number two. I don't think I need to give too much breath to why that's problematic. Like, do we feel comfortable moving on? Have I sufficiently, like, yeah. Like, we get it, right? We know what comes out of it. And it's never fun being person number two. Hearing somebody talk about you. Has anyone been hurt by somebody talking about them and not coming to them? then be mature number three. When you're number three, when somebody comes to you with an issue that's about somebody else, there's only a couple appropriate responses. Number one is, have you taken it to God? Because you're still angry, which tells me you probably, probably haven't taken it to God. Because there's a difference between righteous indignation Holy discontent, and you just tripping. There's a difference. Number two, have you talked to the other person about it? The person that you're actually mad at? Have you all worked it out? And then if so, there is a number three that says, how can this situation best be handled with all of us together? Now, after you go to that person, the offending party, they're still not trying to hear it. Like, man, I I involved my whole huddle. Like, this wasn't just like me and you talked about it. Wasn't happening. Went and got some other people from our huddle because the people in our huddle genuinely love both of us. Genuinely out for the reconciliation of this relationship. They came to you. You're still not trying to hear it. I'm not going to lie. Went and got pastor. You and pastor had a conversation. Still not going for it. At that point, Jesus says, if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. This was interesting to me. Because when you're talking to Jews and you say, let him be a Gentile or a tax collector to you, culturally, that's their permission to throw you away. Culturally, that's their permission to be like, well, I don't rock with Gentiles, and I despise tax collectors, so we out. 
But that seems to me to be a lazy reading. That like, we always talk about here the dangers of casual reading. Because why would Jesus spend so much of his ministry trying to correct the way that Jews see tax collectors and Gentiles only to use use it as an example of people you can throw away? Therefore, it must not be what Jesus actually meant. Here's what I'll say, point number two, and then I'm out your way. Gentiles and tax collectors need Jesus too. Here's what I'm going to tell you. I believe that Jesus, so much of his ministry was about correcting the way that Jews saw Gentiles and tax collectors. He corrected them in ways and included them in ways. So as to communicate, yeah, you guys are not a part of the same culture. You guys are not talking about the same thing. But that doesn't mean that they're not included. That doesn't mean that there's not something for them yet. What it means is that they got some work to do. They got some ways to go. I know you Jews get all haughty because you're the chosen people. And yeah, Gentiles and tax collectors, which are betrayer Jews, like they're not necessarily the chosen people either. But Jesus says, I include them. I came for them too, which must mean that our perspective then needs to change. Here's the thing. My guess is, my guess is that if you go to somebody and they're not trying to hear it, and then you as a group go to somebody and they're not trying to hear it, and then the church goes to them and they're not trying to hear it, my guess is they're not really rocking with Jesus that closely anyway. Which means we don't throw them away. We don't let their sins be projected onto the person of Jesus. Oh, well, if that's what Christians are like, then we don't do that. That's not who we are. But we instead say, our relationship is not where I thought it was. We're not walking on the same path. And you need Jesus. Like, there's something about the gospel that you still need to grasp in your heart. And don't, yeah, I'm not telling you to say all this to him, because that could lead a whole nother place. I'm talking about your own perspective. Don't say, well, my pastor said, if you don't listen to my correction, then you don't love Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that your perspective of that relationship with that person does need to change. That instead of that person being a brother or sister that you walk alongside, perhaps you need to be more of a witness to that person. So let me ask you, if that person's still not trying to hear about their offenses, how are you being a witness to that person? How are you handling yourself in a way that communicates even though you refuse, even though you're one of those people that's saying, thank you, God, for making me, but no thank you for telling me how to live my life. How are you, the offended, the one saying, and showing grace anyway. Our perspectives need to change because the reality is Jesus came for them too. Jesus' grace is sufficient for them too. Yeah, Jesus came for the hurt. Jesus came for the oppressed. But along the way, he picked up a few betrayers and, t- and uh, oppressors on along the way too, didn't he? How are you being a witness to your lost brother or sister? 
this is really difficult because <laughs> I, I can't think of too many things that rip people apart more quickly, lately, it seems, than the spirit of offense between people. And what Jesus is showing us is that he's not denying the spirit of offense. He's not denying that something hurt you. He's not saying that, like, if you're bleeding, just ignore it and it'll go away. But he is saying that I've given you instructions so as to not let the spirit of offense create division. Jesus has clearly outlined ways that we as a church can stay united, even though there are some things that we clearly do not see the same. So why aren't we using them? I don't want to be that church. And honestly, like, I'm praying, and so I don't know if this is like an, a warning or an encouragement to you, but I pray to God for him to purge our community yeah. and for him to, to sift out the people who are not actually after the heart of God. Amen. And they're just after, I don't know what. It's none of my business, to be honest with you. But they're just going to cause division. My heart is genuinely to include everyone. Amen. For real. Like, I'm a real immature evangelist out here. Like, like, like if y'all let me, like, it ain't, I would drive the van on Sunday morning. Like, it's not like if y'all let me. Right? But, but there are dynamics that we need to work on within ourselves. Amen. There are ways that we carry ourselves that need to be adjusted. Yeah. I want us to be a church that embodies this really well. Yeah. I want us to be a church that when differences come up, and one of the painfully beautiful things about being a diverse church in a Midwest swing state is that there's a lot of differences between us. I want us to be a place that embodies how we work through those things. Because I believe that there will be no greater witness to a world divided than the showing of our unity. Let's pray. Father God, from whom we receive our gifts. Father, from whom we receive our identity. Our Father, from whom we receive our beauty and our convictions. Lord, we thank you that you are above all. Father, we thank you that your mission, that your reign is above all the toxic stuff of our world. Lord, we thank you that you have overcome this world, even having been through the very things that we wrestle with daily. 
you overcame perfectly. And Lord, we recognize that in your kingdom, in the kingdom of God, there is no gossip. In the kingdom of God, there is no spirit of offense. In the kingdom of God, there are no hurt feelings. And Lord, while we long to be with you in that place, Lord, we pray that you would convict our hearts, strengthen our hands, straighten our backs for the work of seeing the taste of that kingdom here in this world. Lord, we pray that moving forward, you would empower us for the work of reconciliation. And that that doesn't just mean speaking out on injustice, but it means living and being an embodiment of what it means to work through differences, of what it means to be united together, what it means to wrestle through our own humanity and the depravity of others. Lord, I pray that you will bring to our minds the offenses that we thought too great to deal with. I pray that you would bring to our minds the relationships that we long to have back, but the difference just seems too great. God, I pray that you would give us wisdom with how to handle those relationships. I pray that your wisdom, we would hear it speak more to our needed perspective than any consequential action. I pray that through the blessing of your spirit, you would help us appropriately see the people around us so that we can adjust our posture to their need. I pray that we're able to correct offenses between brothers and sisters. And I pray that we're able to witness to those who have offended but have yet entered the fold of the family of God. I pray these things in the precious and holy name of Jesus Christ. All who believe say, bless up.